Hello and welcome to Bard Talk. I'm your host Josh and today I'm gonna get nerdy. So if you're not in the mood for a nerdy one, uh, go ahead and skip this one. I mean, hell, you're free to skip whatever ones you want. Uh, They're not all knock-out-of-the-park fun conversations about tough issues. Sometimes I just get silly. And I know last week at the end, I teased that I was going to be talking about Brianna Taylor and her trial or the lack thereof and what's going on with the police officers. But um, I just had some things happen in my life personally, and I I was asked to uh, hold that one off because it, it would probably be a good back and forth, I guess. I don't know. I, the way I was going to present it, I think it would have been good singular, but is what it is. And, um, I, you know, I try to stay topical. I try to try to do things that I think you're going to like on current events. I know a year from now it's going to seem dated, but yeah, you know what? That's what a recorded podcast is. Um, I think if you asked me deep within the recesses of my brain, there's a part of me that would love to make this like a live internet show where it was a stream and it was talking in the moment and people could call in and I could interact, but two things, that requires a lot of bandwidth, a hosting platform, uh, a toll-free number, I mean, just resources well beyond my capability right now, but, you know, maybe maybe that's where this is going to go. I don't know, maybe I'm going to put 52 weeks of this uh, off into the ether of the internet and then I'm going to quit. I don't know, um, we'll see. But today I'm gonna keep it light. Today I'm gonna talk about um, I'm gonna talk about the Zack Snyder cut that's coming out for Justice League. And you're probably wondering, like, how is it I can go from talking about actual issues to nerd stuff to telling stories to uh, that's was always my plan out of the gate for this podcast was just to be like a variety show to talk about whatever made me happy during that time. And uh, I did a, a nerd-style podcast where I talked about DC and Marvel and the things that I liked, and mostly I complained about the things I didn't like. And I, I listened back on that one, and man, it's uh, it's a, full of inaccuracies because real talk, as much as I uh, consider myself a, a nerd when it comes to this stuff, I... Um, I really don't <laughs> know as much about it as I think I do, and on top of that, like, I'm terrible with names. I don't know why my brain just doesn't really feel the need to record and, and collect these type of things, so I end up misnaming the actors and the directors and all kinds of stuff like that, but I did do a little bit more prep for this episode, so the accuracy uh, should rise a little bit, and uh, mostly I'm just going to talk about the things that make me excited um and comic books really do hold a a special point in my life because uh if if you didn't hear the story that i told the first nerd podcast around uh when i was a little kid i i really hated reading we used to well well first of all i was homeschooled so my mom got to decide what books i was allowed to read and not allowed to read and more often than not um my books on my summer reading list, or for that matter, any reading list, always kind of came from the Christian bookstore. So it was some Christian story that related back to my faith at the time, and I I just, I hated reading. I wasn't even the least bit interested in any of those stories. Um, You know, I had, I couldn't tell you how many times I read the Bible forward to backwards. Like, it's it's something that I was kind of forced to do. but it, it, it killed my reading. You know, if you want to make kids hate reading, force them to read. Get, tell them, hey, you got to do uh, 12 books by the end of the summer or six books by the end of the summer and watch their eyes roll back into their heads and you're going to lose them. Whereas when you're allowed to go and read of your own wants and interests, man, my, my reading took off. Um, I've always had this, this love for like classic literature. I guess it's called now. I, you know, see, it's funny. I I don't really like the pretentious title of classic literature. I just think that it's literature. It's good books. Um, Nonfiction is probably the majority of what I read. 
because I'm uh, sadistic and I, I feel like you learn more. And so for every fiction book I read, like I force myself to read two or three nonfiction books, which doesn't always work out well to my interests, but it keeps me keeps me balanced, I guess. You know, you can't always have the candy, but I learned to love reading because of comic books. Uh, the first comic book I got was Punisher Warzone. And I was affixed to it. And you can say, oh, well, that's not really reading. You're looking at pictures and reading comic panels. What? That's the problem. That kind of thinking is why kids hate reading. If you said to a kid, hey, I want you to read the entirety of the new 52's Wonder Woman, and you handed them a book of equal or greater size to any other book, they would. If that was in their their wheelhouse, if that was in their interest, if you gave them the entirety of Punisher Warzone, uh, which I I don't even remember how many volumes that was, it is a book. It's reading. Yes, there are gorgeous pictures. But in addition to, to learning vocabulary and all of the reading skills that you need for later on, you also learn an appreciation for art. So, you know, win win. Um, I don't, I don't see why they're looked down upon so much because, like I said, it, it really lit the fuse, which was later an explosion. And because of Punisher Warzone, I went on to read, you know, some of the greats. Um, Walden, I read almost faithfully. I, for sure, throughout my 20s, I read Walden by Henry David Thoreau every summer. Every summer, without fail, I read that book. I've kind of slacked off as of late because a bunch of other books have taken my interest, but, you know, I wouldn't have gotten there. I wouldn't have found out my favorite author was, uh, you know, Ernest Hemingway. And I re- I've read everything the guy's ever written. Like, it's... You, sometimes you just got to find that starting point. You've got to find what interests people. And some people don't like to read at all. And I kind of feel like that's mostly because they had a negative experience and nobody ever let them course correct. Nobody ever let them find their Punisher War Zone or their, their Wonder Woman or their Captain Marvel or, you know, there's a whole rich universe out there of characters that would envelop and entice anybody to pick up a book and read. And if you don't think comic book is reading, pick up a comic book yourself. You know, God, I'm sure the comic book stores would love to see a new person walk in and buy a couple issues from a couple different artists and and comic book makers. And it's it's a good experience. And I encourage everybody to. But with that being said, uh, it certainly did ignite a passion for the comic book industry, which to me, you know, these stories are rich and full of depth and. I liked comic book heroes a long before the movies, and I'm not trying to pull some kind of hipster move there. I'm just saying, like, the stories, some of them I knew very intimately. And it's funny because my two favorite, my two favorite by far, have always been and always will be Superman and the Punisher. Now, I, I have a soft spot in the heart, in my heart, for the Punisher because he was my first. And <laughs> that's it's so wrong. He's my first. You get what I'm saying. Um, I, I like a good anti-hero. I mean, I'm not like everybody who, who you know, I don't have a million Punisher stickers on the back of my F-250 and, you know, worship at the altar. I I see him really as, as a bad guy who, by happenstance, sometimes does good things, but not even intentionally. Uh, his story is pretty rich. If you haven't read Warzone or, or any of the other uh, comic book series that he's done, go pick one up. You might like it. You might hate it. I don't know. Superman, on the other hand, who who may edge out as, as my favorite, I've always liked because, you know, there's an altruism to him. There's a Boy Scout. There's like this... You don't look up to the Punisher. You... you the, the people that do have some serious mental issues or they're not true fans they have no idea what his story is um yes it's a revenge story but it's there's a point where he goes so far uh, it's it's not even a revenge story at that point it's just him killing people 
So if you're really, really looking up to somebody like that, um, you should probably seek therapy. Uh, but on the other hand, Superman is one of the classics. He's one of the guys, you know, he wasn't born out of the 80s. He, his, his values and stuff like that can, can cross decades because it, it's really the epitome of what the comic industry set out to be. It was to set out to, to make role models, to, to get people excited and, and have heroes that were, were completely fabricated that you could look up to and you wouldn't, you know, years down the line find out that, that you know, they were womanizers or that they molested a bunch of kids or they did coke nonstop. Like, that's the problem with having human heroes, real heroes, people heroes, is that when you meet them, they're not always who you thought they were. And and the way the world is today, like it's it's only a matter of time until they dig up some mistake they've made. And instead of society taking that mistake and seeing it as a growth point or realizing that somebody that robbed a bank 15 years ago and never did it again is a bank robber, we, we can't move past that kind of stuff. So having heroes like like printed heroes that their stories can be manipulated and changed is useful. It's a tool. Um, and if you're, you're laughing or, or snickering to yourself and, and, and stuff like that, I just want to point out that most people get their morals from observations from other people. And a lot of people will point to the Bible and say, well, that's where I get my morals. And, and that's fine. I will go back to the previous comment where I said, I've read that book. And uh, I can tell you that it's, it's not really uh, an edifying book. It, it has all viewpoints. It'll tell you, do not kill, and then it'll ask Abraham to kill his son. It'll say, do not covet, and there's an entire chapter about a guy who's lusting after some chick in a fountain with her period. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to bash the Bible. If that's what you believe, I think religion is, is great. I think if you use it for personal reasons and it gets you through the day, uh, it's a great tool. It's it's no different than meditation or, or any other belief in a higher power. I really don't care what you call your God or what the structure is around it. If you can find a, and make sense out of a set of morals and codes, I mean, that's good. It gives us these, these markers in our life to say, hey, that's a line I'm not going to cross. And believe it or not, comic books can do the same thing. Uh, any media really can because there's stories within it. Um, if you're following the book of Spawn, you know, uh, <laughs> your morals are going to be a little convoluted, but you know, that's, that, that's life. Everybody's allowed to have an opinion. So, but Superman is one of those comic books that has this, this sense of morals, this high morals. Superman is an altruistic hero who, who is always fighting for truth and justice. And I think they slapped the American way in there, but that's kind of a, that's a really hazy, arguable way to describe him. Uh, it's better just to say that, you know, he, he's, he always looks to have the high ground. Even in, in his conflict, his conflict resolution is trying to figure out how he can do the best job at essentially being God. So he's, he's just one of my favorite. I mean, you, you, you pick up any Superman comic or series or watch any of the movies and get some kind of life lesson out of it. Some of them are worse than others, but, uh, you know, it, it's what we have to work with. I personally, if you want, if, if you're still quarantining, if you're still worried about the pandemic and the dangers out there, uh, I would invite you to go and check out the Smallville series that the WB did back in the early 2000s. Um, it's cheesy. Uh, it's a teen drama. It's, it's it's full. It smacks hard, hard on the whole emo scene that was going on. But it's actually a really, really good interpretation of early Clark Kent. And it kind of follows him from his point of being planted on Earth to when he actually becomes Superman. Like the, the, the season... The, the series finale is him becoming Superman and uh, all of the actors of which I'm not even going to bother trying to name because I know I'll get them wrong did a fantastic job the Lois Lane in Smallville 
is to date the best depiction of Lois Lane you can find in media anywhere. And I will die on that hill. I, I don't hate the actress who played Lois Lane in the Zack Snyder Superman. I just don't think she... She didn't have the elements, the snarky elements of Lois that the Lois in Smallville had. Um, you know, you even saw it more in the Chris Reeve films. The, that Lois was a little bit more snarky, a little bit more cheeky. She was, she was really good at being Lois. But if you took that depiction of her and you, you dialed it up and you added even more story to make her a richer character, that's the Lois you get out of Smallville. And again, I, I just, there wasn't a whole lot to work with in, in Zack Snyder's depiction. Um, her hair being red is, is kind of a thing that I wish they would have stuck with. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, artist rights to interpret the media as they see, I suppose. But let's get into this whole Zack Snyder thing. Um, in my last podcast, I kind of blamed him for everything wrong with the DCEU. Zack Snyder had a vision to take DC into this dark and gritty future that I, I honestly hated. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Christian Bale Batmans. I, and, you know, I, I shouldn't say that on its nose, I like the movies. Um, I, I didn't... I didn't hate any one of them except I didn't watch the last one. Uh, I, I and I don't even know what it's called. Uh, the one with um, the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, was great. Uh, it ended, and then they brought it back, and <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. The movie se- seemed, I just disjointed. It, it it seemed like it had an ending point, and then they brought it back for no reason. But it it was a good movie. I mean, on its hands. I think that the Joker performance was fantastic. Uh, again, a lot of depth to that character. Was it my favorite depiction? I, I'm not going to go that far. But the the problem was everybody just kept screaming that this dark and gritty... And, 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 and by everybody, I mean some of the fans, mostly the media. Everybody in the media, and I mean from like the production companies, the paid people, not the people on YouTube that reviewed it because I align more with their take, but the actual like people who are compensated for having commentary on this thing, like calling it this dark and gritty masterpiece, when in reality, like I just, I never saw it. I thought it had just as many whimsical, uh, fun moments as, as any of the other Tim Burton Batmans. Um, they, they really, for me, they lacked the, the detective side of Batman. You know, they, they kind of inserted these, uh, modern day internet, uh, gadget templates for how he was a detective, how he figured things out without having any of the fun gadgets, you know? Uh, yeah, his car was cool. Yeah, the motorcycle was cool. Yeah, there were elements like they used some of the stuff, but a lot of Batman is perching on the corner of the buildings and using some type of grappling hook and throwing bat stars. And he had a utility belt for Christ's sakes because he doesn't have a superpower. His superpower is being rich, right? Like that's what we expect out of him. And and I just feel like the the Christian Bale one was not that. It just, it lacks some elements, and for somebody to look at the Scarecrow and the whole Razul or whatever his name, plot point, and say that this is some dark and gritty masterpiece, and not see it for it being a silly comic book movie, and that's what it was. It was a silly comic book movie, and it had some serious things that, to this day, I will ever, I will forever make fun of. I mean, who doesn't make fun of the Christian Bale, dark and gritty Batman voice? Like, that was horrible. Um, it's early. Forgive me. But um, when when you you push past that, you know, we got the announcement that Ben Affleck was going to play Batman. And people lost their minds. They were like, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be horrible. How could they? Ben Affleck's a tool. He's a joke. Why would you do this? Ben Affleck's Batman was, to date, I think my favorite Batman. Um, 
They used a voice modulator to change his voice, which made all of the sense in the world and uh, came off really well. And nobody makes fun of it because, again, he just didn't like talk dark and gritty like some kind of a movie announcer. Like it was it was cool. Um, there was a lot more gadgets. There was a lot more grappling hooks. There were the throwing stars. They were standing on the corner of buildings. There was dark brooding. There was the funny side. Um, there was the detective side, you know, figuring out who these people were and how to get a hold of them. And, you know, even so, so when you, when you play a character like this, you have to show both sides, you know, I, it's like all of these characters are Pisces or Gemini, you know, they have two sides to them and you got to do Batman justice, but you have to do Bruce Wayne justice and, and I'll give it to him. Like Ben Affleck was a damn good Bruce Wayne. I, they, they I, no faults. I, I thought he was great. Um, Henry Cavill's Superman that I like Henry Cavill I thought he did a good job at Superman I will not bark at him for the fact that Zack Snyder doesn't understand who Superman was um uh, I and I know I've gone over this before but Batman v Superman was 50% the Dark Knight Returns which again if you don't think that comic books are books Go to Amazon. Go to your local comic book store. Uh, it may be a little hard to find because it really is a masterpiece, but go pick up The Dark Knight Returns and read it. It is fantastic. It's every but every bit a book or a piece of literature as The Old Man and the Sea, as anything else is. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. It's a great read. Um, and Batman v Superman was like 50% to that, that movie. There were, there were homages everywhere you turned around. Um, there's homages to that book. The, the M60 at, at the end when, uh, Batman's mom is being held is an homage to the dark Knight returns. So, and I could go on and on the failings in that movie were as, as previously stated, you know, Zack Snyder wrote two Batmans and that was, the biggest failing point of that movie is you had a brooding, dark Batman who, you know, was 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 angry, almost angry because his employees got hurt, because uh, a city got destroyed. He lost a building. He lost family, if, if you will. And then you had a dark and brooding Superman. And, you know, I, I'm not coming round robin on this. Superman has had his moments where, you know, he's had to have that internal fight with being a god and picking who lives and dies and how he's got to be everywhere for everybody and how hard that is. And there's always been elements of that to his character, but it just, they pushed it a, a, like a step too far to the point where you weren't ever really sure when Superman was going to kill somebody. Like if, if you do a good altruistic Superman, there should never be a doubt in your head that Superman's not going to kill him. Batman's not going to kill that guy. That's not what they do. They don't kill people. The, the comic book always drew this hard line that, you know, they, they arrested them. They sent them to Arkham. They sent them to the mirror dimension. Like there were always these clever little, um, writing uh, tools, I guess you could say, that they could write the character out of a situation where he needed to kill. Zod wasn't killed by Superman until later, way later in his storyline. He was sent to the mirror dimension, you know? And the reason you do this is because it allows you to reuse that villain when the time is right. It allows you to build a better story. It allows, it gives the character more room to work with within his universe. Whereas in, you know, the, the Zack Snyder iterations of these characters, they're killing people left and right. They're shooting them. I mean, they're breaking their necks. They're, they're doing all kinds of stuff. And, and because of that, you watch the Superman that you expect 
to just be an altruistic character, and now you're not sure if he's going to kill Batman. You're not sure if he's really going to do it. There's confusion. You're not sure when he comes up against another bad guy that he's going to kill him. And, like, that that took away from it. That took away from it for me. It, it, it kind of made me question things. Um, is the movie bad? The movie that, that was theatrically released was. Um, it was a turd. If you watch the uh, director's cut with uh, a lot of the Zack Snyder stuff put back into it, it, it it's actually a pretty good movie. Uh, the other night I went back and I rewatched it in anticipation for the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, which I'm going to get into. And uh, it was good. Like all of they, what pissed me off is they left scenes in that didn't need to be there and they took out scenes that explained most of the movie. So I I, I know one of the problems with hiring Zack Snyder is that, you know, you get a three hour long movie. You get this movie, this gargantuan movie that takes all day to watch. Um, I'm pretty sure the Justice League Zack Snyder cut is like a four hour epic movie premiere, like four hours. And they trimmed it down, uh, I, I think just over like, or just, just under two or at two. Uh, and that's a lot of content. And, and what it really shows is that there was a lot there that they probably could have made that movie two parts. They probably could have uh, worked out a different a different uh, story card or, or went with a different story altogether. I don't know, but the the point I'm making here is is the the product that got released to the public sucked, and then they responded in turn, and so. Now DC's like, oh well, well, we suck at making movies, and 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 that's not the case. Full disclosure here, I want DC to win. I want DC to be the better comic book movie. I I really truly like DC more than I like Marvel. Um, before the Avengers, before Disney, before all of that stuff came out. Nobody knew who Iron Man was. Well, I, nobody's a strong word. The majority of people, the, 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 the populist knowledge was not of Iron Man. And Thor, who knew Thor was a superbook character? I mean, if you ran in weird circles, you knew about Thor from, from Norse mythology. But nobody knew he was a superbook hero. People may have colloquially been aware of Captain America, but nobody knew his story. Uh, what Marvel did was take a bunch of, frankly, B-line characters, and he, they told their stories. And what they found out is people like superheroes. People like altruistic superheroes. So, you know, DC, on the other hand, I want to meet the person that didn't know who Batman was. I wouldn't meet the person that didn't know who Superman was. You could argue that Wonder Woman had less recognition, but not by much. Um, I think that Holy Trinity right there was, was huge. And if you go into any of the DC fandom, you immediately know who Flash is. You immediately know who John Jones, the Ma Martian Manhunter is. You know who Green Lantern is. I mean, these characters were so much more well-established than anything Marvel had. And um, with the exception of Punisher, I think Punisher was well-known. But uh, for sure, like, DC had all the building blocks to do well. Those blocks also were stumbling blocks. And, and that's the reason I think DC has had so much trouble is because people do know these characters. If if I introduced um, Adam Ant to you and you have no idea who he is, and I just do a good job at the basic tenets of storytelling, you can learn to love that character. If I take the Little Mermaid and I rewrite the Little Mermaid story, you're gonna hate me because you know the Little Mermaid. Ugh, God, English again. 
you know the Little Mermaid inside and out. So if I do anything to alter her story within your perception, whether it's good or not, whether I follow the, the tenets of storytelling or proper storytelling, you're going to take issue with it. And DC doesn't know how to not listen to their fans. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not complaining. I'm not yelling at any of the fans. I'm not calling the fans trash or garbage. I'm not none of that stuff. None of that. I will have none of that on this podcast. What I am saying, though, is you have a huge fan base that knows so much about these characters and everybody has their own opinions. And the loudest voices aren't always the truest, correct forms because they're looking at a Superman or a Batman or a Wonder Woman character from the stories that they know them from and the stories that they like about them. Whereas, the, the like the Bible, comic books can tell all angles of their character. There's so many different story iterations. There's so many different versions of that character. You can find your favorite version and then you want to see that version of the character up on the screen. And then people complain about stuff. I think one of the most ridiculous things people complained about um, in the Superman movie was that he fought Zod in a big city and destroyed half the city and everybody's like, oh, that's not very Superman-esque. Yeah, it is. Bitch, yeah, it is. Like, you go back and watch the Christopher Reeve movies and they're destroying a city. They didn't have the technology and the graphics and the way to portray it, but in their own right, they showed it. And any other comic book of Superman, it's not like he always fights them in some barren landscape. And I'll tell you what, it's boring to watch him fight in a boring landscape. Like, I I grow tired of seeing CGI explosions. I grow tired of seeing, like, just grotesque destru- destruction. And that's, you know, that's part of the failings of the studios. Because instead of writing clever things, they're showing you clever things. Because, you know, Michael Bay has sold them that, you know, people love big explosions. And so what worked in the past has to work now when really what we want is the story i want the story but it's not about what i just want you know it is about what other people want it is the fact that other people like uh gerald leto's joker portrayal it is that other people like this and that about the other comics they have to learn to just tell the story don't worry tell the story that you have to tell Use what you have and just let people judge it. Let people, you know, get mad and upset about it and then come, you know, round robin when you release a little bit more information. Um, It's a shame. It's a shame that the fans of these comic books that hold these characters to such rigid standards ruin the comic book by holding it to such rigid standards because everybody has their favorite way. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Full transparency. But they had a story. Now, I, in the last podcast, gave Zack Snyder all of the blame for the way the Justice League movie turned out. And I am going to walk that back because after arguing with people after the fact with that podcast and and having the debates that I've had, you realize, well, the movie was made by two people. It was made by Zack Snyder and then it was taken over by Joss Whedon. And Joss Whedon um, has this funny little, little, little Easter egg that he put in there that you, if you didn't know, you wouldn't understand. But in the very beginning, when they're doing the credits, there's like a homeless guy sitting by a, a building, and on the side of the building is written "I tried," and then Josh Whedon's name pops up. And a lot of people have have commented instead that's because Josh Whedon took over the the Justice League uh, movie halfway through it or apparently after it was completed and then had to go back and rewrite a bunch of parts and made it a Josh Whedon movie. And and so that movie, uh, the theatrical release anyways, was doomed to fail. Doomed. I mean, you couldn't have two more different stylized directors if you tried. People that that let, let's be honest, agree, disagree with Zack Snyder's ability to write Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever it is he was working on. Um, he had a vision. He had a story to tell. He had a story written out from beginning to end that that he was working on. 
And then they, they took it from him and they gave it to another guy who had no story worked out and just wanted to, to slap his brand on it. So halfway through that movie, if you're watching, it goes from being that Zack Snyder, more dark, more gritty template to being this Guardians of the Galaxies kind of, you know, snarky jokes that don't make sense and unnecessary uh, portrayals of, of I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to complain about it again. I did a whole podcast complaining about it. It's a movie disjointed. And it, it frankly... Is it the worst movie that was ever made? No, it's not. Stop. It's not great, but it's not the worst thing that's ever been put out. It just, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Um, and and the, the writing was lazy, if we're being honest. Like, it, it there was a story that, that I think Zack Snyder was trying to work towards Darkseid. And they made Steppenwolf, who... I don't know, not one of DC's strongest villains, the main villain. And it, it, it predictably went where I guess all superhero movies go. It just did it in such a predictable fashion. Like, I, I don't know. It, it I don't want to get on here and, and, and rework it again. Like it, I had the names wrong, but the, the, the main focus of that podcast, I, I will stand by and, and it, it was kind of spot on. And it was just that, it was character destruction. You know, it, 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 even Ben Affleck just let himself go. He didn't care about how he was playing Batman in it because he, it, you know, he had his own story that he wanted to push forward that was being supported at the time. And then they, they, they dropped him off and they made him work on that garbage. And I think when he watched it, he was, it was just disapp- disappointed, excuse me. Um, because everybody could see where Zack Snyder was going. Now, I'm not going to get on here and fanboy this Zack Snyder cut because I've, I haven't seen it. I am excited to see it. I am a DC fanboy. And even if I don't like all, everything that Zack Snyder did with the franchise, I still want to see what he had to do with it. I wanted to see where he, where he was going to go. Maybe the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is garbage. Maybe it's no better than than letting uh, uh, Joss Whedon take over. I don't, I don't know. I'm open. I'm open to watching it. And I'll be real honest with you. I don't think it can be worse. I think it's going to be like the director's cut of Batman v Superman, where you reintroduce all of the elements that you took out that were so essential to the storyline that made it make sense and made it uh, the Zack Snyder story that people are going to clamor. And my understanding is that there's a lot riding on this. Uh, If you're not aware, AT&T acquired the WB brand. They acquired the DCEU, which at this point is dead. There are no plans for the DCEU going forward. Even the video games are in trouble of being cut off. That's how dire things are. But AT&T has swooped in, and one of the first things that they've decided is they don't want to see the, uh, the the Batman with uh, the kid from the Twilight movies. Like, they're not interested in it. I, they're going to let it go forward. My understanding is that was kind of Ben Affleck's story, that he wanted to, to tell this early Batman story, and so... I don't know. Uh, Before I dig myself a hole and somebody goes, that's not what happened. I'm going to watch how far I go down that path. But I don't want to get on Robert Pattinson's balls and say that he's going to be a bad Superman. Who knows? I think uh, the Jared Leto Joker is atrocious. I hate it. I hate it so much. I Oh, God. But, you know, uh, for as bad as that Joker portrayal was, I really, really, truly loathe Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I mean, that, to me, is the highest form of character assassination there is. And, you know, the, the passion and, and, and the, the sorrow in my voice isn't because I'm mad it's because DC has these great supervillains. You know, 
arguably the Joker is one of the greatest villains ever written. And it is forever going to be hard to portray him in any cinematic universe because, again, the, the people know that character inside and out. And everybody has their favorite version. And everybody's version is probably a little different. And so there's nothing they can do to please everybody. You're only ever going to please these little cliques. And I think maybe somewhere deep in the, the DC universe, there was a group of people that loved the Jared Leto Joker. There's people that love the Heath Ledger, and there's people that love the Jack Nicholson. Um, you know, in my last podcast, I was talking about how uh, uh, Sionis was the best Joker I've ever seen. And that's the Joker I love. I like the thespian Joker. I like the Joker that kind of has that British accent um, that who, who is very much like a Shakespearean character who does everything... Um, very theatrically and 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 with classic classic old you know ragtime style jokes that's the joker i know and accept into my heart as the true joker um i i, I sound like i'm praying <laughs> like i accept that joker into my heart as uh, my savior for all jokers now i that's that's my favorite iteration um it's okay if you don't like that one. Uh, I, I would love... God, I would love to see that Joker, though. Uh, I know... Sionis is dead. So if you ask me, uh, we can wipe out that whole Birds of Prey Joker and, and we can just use him. Let's use him as the real Joker going forward. Please, DCU. Please? Please? Um, I, I don't know how you fix the Jesse Eisenberg thing. He's not dead. You can always recast him. But they're not going to. Uh, my understanding is that AT&T is putting a lot on this Zack Snyder cut. Uh, they're going to re-release it to HBO Max. And if it does well, I, I don't know. They're not saying anything definite, but it really does sound like they're going to give the reins back to Zack Snyder. Uh, there's interest from Henry Cavill to come back and play Superman again. And my understanding is that he will but more in a cameo fashion, um, which, which nothing is, is concrete. Nothing is set in stone. Uh, there's, there's talk about Michael Keaton coming back to play a really old Batman. Um, and of course the thing that everybody is kind of really excited about in the DCU is the idea that they could do the movie Flashpoint and, and they could reset the DCU. They could take all of the nonsense that happened in Justice League and, and maybe even, I don't know, maybe even Batman v Superman. I feel like that won't get disrupted too much, but it, it's hard to say. They want to do the, the Flashpoint uh, story because that, that lets them reset. And then to be clear, all of the comic books at some point or another have used a mechanism to to reset themselves because that's what comic books do they have series they tell a story like any other book would and then they go and they reset and then somebody else is allowed to pick up the baton and tell their version and that's one of the most beautiful things about comic books is that you get all of these different versions you get all of these characters that have brand recognition but they're allowed to play um, in much more extended universes, They're bigger universes with ideas that aren't uh, gatekeeped by certain people. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's what, what could happen. Maybe this Zack Snyder cut shows AT&T that the DCU um, has value, has brand recognition, is a product that can sell, if it's uh, given to the right person to steward and grow and, and turn into something, I, I think what they need to do is they need to stop worrying about competing. Uh, it's been talked about ad nauseum that one of the biggest failing points was that they took the characters that people knew and they told stories that people didn't with them. And when they released Justice League it was a rush job and that it wasn't given the 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 care and tender love that you need to 
really let a story grow and mature and happen. And like, you know, I, I think, I think some of that is just a little too rooted in the fact that Marvel's characters were obscure, that the common person didn't know who they were. So they all had to get their own separate movies just so you knew who the hell these characters were. Cause otherwise you, you wouldn't know. I'm, I'm sorry. Nobody knew who Hawkeye was. Nobody knew who Black Widow was. She never got a standalone movie. Uh, while the Avengers were hot, I think her story's coming out now, which if you ask me, a day late and a dollar short, but with DC, I I don't know that you needed to do that. Um, if you would have followed or basically brought any one of the, the well-known comics to life, if you would have done a true to story, um, just brought the Dark Knight to the big screen, Instead of including all of that dark side Lex Luthor BS, if you just would have brought that story to the forefront, there you don't need to introduce Superman. You don't need to introduce Batman. You don't need to go over these plot points because we know them. We know who they are. We know who the Flash is. We know who Wonder Woman is. Uh, we know who Superman and Batman are. We know how they were created. You know... One of the reasons we know this is because DC's always done a good job in their series. Um, their cartoons have always sold well. The anime has always sold, sold well. The live-action TV series like Smallville, like Supergirl, like like The Flash. And, and you know, The Flash has been around... Uh, when I was a little kid, there was a Flash series. Uh, I couldn't tell you who was in it. I know I watched it when I was a little kid, but... DC has always, via their their uh, cable networks, have always put their characters out there. We knew who they were. So I don't think they needed separate movies to identify them. If you had followed any one of the comic book stories, that like kind of more faithfully, more truthfully, more really just bringing that, what happened, I think, was Zack Snyder wanted to tell his version of that story. And in that instance, when you are changing the dynamics of a character, the tenets of that character so much, then yeah, you probably do need a story. Um, but but also, you know, I, there was there was money, and there was value left on the table by not doing their own movies. You know, Marvel, for all that it is the majority of the characters in the Avengers are white males. Um, DC has never suffered this so much. You know, Wonder Woman was a white female or, or an ambiguous raced female. Um, John Jones has been depicted as black as far as I know. Uh, Cyborg was always depicted as being black. I, 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 Ezra Miller looks ambiguously Spanish, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, the Green Arrow, um, traditionally is a white guy, but you also have, um, uh, damn, it was just in my head too. Green Lantern, Green Lantern, um, you have two stories, you know, we, we, you, you yeah, you have the, 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 um, the white version of Green Lantern, but then you also have the, the, the black version of Green Lantern. So you could have given people the diversity they want to see on the big screen with well-established characters in their own movies, and then you just would have bought more fandom. Um, for the people that know these characters, it would have been just fun. They would have paid you money to go see their favorite characters on screen. For the people that didn't know the characters, it would have introduced all of these characters so that when you wanted to do your big Justice League movie, not with Steppenwolf, please, with Darkseid, um, or Brainiac, or hell, even just Lex Luthor, um, you could have done it. You could have done it, and, and it would have made a lot of sense. You would have made a lot more money. It would have taken a lot longer. Um, excuse me. Jesus. But um, the necessarily, you know, they couldn't stand on their own. I don't believe that's true. If you would have followed a little bit more faithfully to an actual comic book series. So hard to say, 
hard to say. I don't know. I'm excited about the Zack Snyder cut. I want to see it. I want to see if it takes that kind of bleh version of Justice League and maybe it takes it somewhere. Maybe it puts it into perspective. Maybe we get all of these things that we saw in Batman v Superman, the dreams that Bruce Wayne was having, this really big epic battle that was coming up and the, and and the culmination of that and it makes sense because when you leave Batman v Superman if you if you own the director's cut and you watch that and then you go ahead like I did and you watch Justice League the very beginning of Justice League looks like it's leading up to this and then all of a sudden they introduce Steppenwolf and and a bunch of blonde Amazons and in skimpy clothing and it and it all falls apart and it's you know uh I hope I hope truly that it does well and I hope that if nothing else happens that they they this gives AT&T the the kick in the ass they need to say yeah go ahead and make flashpoint let's wipe away the old justice league let's get rid of that and then let's restart the dceu let's let's get on board and 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 understand that in today's climate we need to see diversity we don't need a director like like joss whedon who wants the amazons to wear armor bikinis People, whether that is faithful to the comic or not, don't have the stomach for that. Um, do uh, did they take it too far? Yeah. Did I just say like a half hour ago, don't listen to the fans too much, myself included? Yeah. But I want this to work. I, I, I just want the DCEU to show how much better than Marvel it truly is. The DCEU is better dc is a better comic book um there there's just so much more to it and the the villains are so much more rich the stories are so much more better and and the characters are so much more well known that it seems like it should be a no-brainer and yet here we go we just we just can't get it off the line so i want it i want it deep in my heart i just want to see it succeed i want to see it win i want to see henry cavill back as superman I honestly want to see Ben Affleck back as Batman. I thought he did a really good job. Um, I want Wonder Woman to not die in 1984, um, which I, I am truly concerned about because it. I don't know how well that movie's going to go. Uh, I, I have deep concerns, and and I I, I want to see I want to see Green Lantern. I want to see John Jones. I want to see the Martian Manhunter. You know, I, I want to see these movies happen. And for that all to happen, somebody at AT&T has to see the value in this brand. They have to see that they have a product to sell. Because if they don't feel like there's a product to sell and make money on, they're not going to do it. DC doesn't have Disney with unamounts of money you know like unholy amounts of money to just throw at them until they get it right you know uh, marvel has their turds there are avenger movies that are turds um they've made bad ones i mean i don't like any of the gardens in the galaxies but they sell even disney's turds make money um and and if they don't, it doesn't matter. Disney Disney will turn around and make another movie like Avengers Endgame, and they'll blow it out of the water. DC cannot do that out of the gate. They need to develop their characters, and they need to have somebody like Disney did, who's in for the long run, who's going to play these characters for a decade, who's going to to take them and build them. And I really hope that AT and T sees that. So. I know August 22nd, I'm going to be turning in, uh, tuning in to, to see the Zack Snyder cut. I hope you do too. I hope it's, I hope it makes sense and it, it takes a, a, an otherwise kind of meh film and, and makes it worthwhile. And I hope they do Flashpoint. And I hope we get that reset and, and I want to see this succeed. So 
sorry, sorry, sorry. I know uh, some people, they listen to this podcast because they like my social commentary on current events and you're not getting it this time around and, and I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. There's there's so many facets to my personality and uh, nerddom is part of it. Telling stories is part of it uh, and, 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 and hearing people's plights and, and trying to have conversations and make sense of this universe is, is part of it too. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you uh, enjoy all of them, honestly. Uh, I wouldn't make them to, to piss you off, but I understand if, if this is one that you skip or that there are others that you skip. I uh, I really did a change of course just because of some personal things going on in my life. Um, and I know this is Thursday and I usually release the podcast Wednesday, but that's how how much of my life is being pulled in these different directions. And sometimes... Uh, sometimes it's better to do something late and, and put out something that you believe in and that you feel passionate about than it is to just sit there and spew garbage on the mic just for the sake of being on time. So with that said, I want to thank everybody who listens. I really, truly wish that you would reach out to me more. I love hearing feedback about the podcast. I love talking to people. Um, you know, because we're a community, and and I, I, I feel truly that if you're listening to this podcast, we share something. We share some thought, thought process, or we find something about the universe similarly equal and interesting. And so, please, you know, reach out to me on Twitter, at CappinJDP. I'm on Instagram, at JoshDep5, and um, as this rolls along... You know, I want to try to add things like a website. Uh, all that stuff is kind of in the works. It's just right now, uh, my life is a little tumultuous. And we'll see where things go. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week. I'll catch you next Wednesday. I don't know what I'll talk about. Um, I, I do want to really have that that discussion about the aftermath of Brianna Taylor and and where the movement has gone and, and where we're not going to get to go and but, you know, maybe that's one I got to beg Clayton to get back on for. Who knows? We'll see. Take care. Be safe out there.